0: But I was raised uh, homeschooled in an Amway. So my parents would take us on these road trips for 10 hours in the snow with a car breaking down, no money, all these kids in the back uh, to go be with the multi, multi-millionaires in Anway. My dad worked backstage on the sound and everybody loved him. Great sense of humor. I think that's where I get most of it. So my mom was a very classy lady, you know, dress, nails, the whole thing. So that's where I got some of my better skills. Um, but it was being around all these multi-millionaires when we have no money and my parents making no big deal of it. Like, we can do this. Of course you can do it. That's what you want to do. You know, when the car breaks down, it's like, well, we use mom's nylons to fix the belt that broke. We're just going to, we're going to figure it out. And it's not a big deal. When our power went out, I used to think the electric company was mad at my parents. I'm like, what did they do? Um, (laughs) It turns out they didn't pay. (laughs) But my parents didn't put that on us. They didn't say we can't pay the bill. They don't want their kids stressed about where their next meal is coming from
1: welcome to another episode of the dirt the podcast where we teach you how to maximize business value in your own business by telling real stories of other business owners and their trials and tribulations growing their businesses so our guest today is sarah jenkins the ceo of genesis digital company that specializes in creating software solutions for small businesses that automate the online sales process this is a role she took on after her husband the former ceo passed away after a difficult illness and has since tripled revenues. Her journey has been all about overcoming adversity as she managed to nurture five children and a glowing career the entire time. Throughout our conversations, we'll touch on some key themes around developing supporting products to hedge your bets, the importance of succession planning, setting up a trust to make sure you take care of your family and all sorts of things around unique dynamics of leading a business as a couple. Sarah, Welcome to The Dirt, it's great to have you here. All right, Sarah, let's dig right in. Who is Sarah Jenkins?
0: Um, Sarah Jenkins is a homeschooled mother of five, widow, with a new husband. So I only say that because the four kids that, you know, I had after I became a widow was was tricky, but now I have a new husband and a fifth kid, so it got trickier and a lot more fun. Um, I run several software companies, real estate companies, and I've always been an entrepreneur since I was like 15 and homeschooled. And I learned as I go.
1: And uh, what is Genesis Digital?
0: Genesis Digital is a company that hosts three major products. We have Webinar Jam. It's a webinar software. We have EverWebinar. It's a live recorded um, autoplay software. And we have Kartra, which is your shopping cart, your membership site, all the things that you need. And that's Genesis Digital, my main focus and passion right now.
1: All right, which is what we're going to talk about most of today, right? Yep. <laughs> but before before we jump in there, I uh, you know I'm sure people listening in are curious. You you mentioned a couple husbands, a bunch of kids, right? Um, things to manage in life besides all these wonderful companies that you're building. So w- what is it that keeps you? able to to manage so many things and and able to to keep pushing and persevering and doing so many different business ventures.
0: Man, as a third kid of nine um, kids in my family, I've got eight siblings, one older brother, man, nobody messed with me. Everybody messed with each other, like I'm gonna beat you up, you know, we're not friends today, you cannot come on a birthday party. But for me, my older brother was like, don't be mean to Sarah. Nobody gets to be mean to Sarah. And so I was mean to everybody else under me is per the ush. Um, (laughs) but I always had that backup and no matter what we went through in life growing up, like homeschooled, parents would leave us alone for weekends at a time, which was awesome. Um, I never had any fear because I always had backup. I never needed support. It was always like right there. I never asked for it. So when things happened that weren't ideal, we just figured it out.
1: And, uh, what have been some of the non-ideal things that have been a part of your journey?
0: Well, when I turned 20, um, I immediately got pregnant with my boyfriend of three months and I'd getting kicked out of the house, kicked out of college. So I was like, hmm, I better figure this out real quick. Okay. I went home for Christmas. Uh, my parents yelled at me for wearing the shirt that was too tight. And um, I yelled back and said, this is not this is not the biggest worry you have with me right now. <laughs> I'm not only <laughs> engaged, I'm having a baby. Bye. <laughs> so I figured that out pretty, pretty quick, had a most people go to Vegas, when uh, they turn 21, I went to the hospital, had my first baby girl and the second one immediately after, cause nobody explained things to me in homeschool, how things work uh, and then learned my lesson. But after I started to have my third kid um, with my first husband, he decided to go off the rails and go back to being a drug addict and fall in and leave me with three kids at 25. So that was not what I call ideal. Some of those were absolutely my choices. You know, my, my my rebellious behavior with my parents, my telling everybody to leave me alone, whatever, uh, that was all my fault. My husband leaving was not my fault and that was not ideal. So I had to take the business that we had as a million dollar business and he was supposed to pay me child support, spousal support. I got nothing, zero. So I actually then had to reach out to a couple of friends. Hey, I just need a little help for a moment. And in three months I had my business back up at 20 grand a month, which was great because with three kids, wow. we need that. Um, Not that amount of income, but some decent income to feed them and house them in California. Um, Then it was really awesome. I met my second husband who was a marketing coach, Andy Jenkins. I don't know if anybody knows him. He's fantastic. His videos on the internet are fucking funny. (laughs) But like every time he does a video, he'll like show his left nipple. Like I don't know why. But I was like, if I did that, our sales would go way up. It's like for all the wrong reasons. So I don't play that way. (laughs) But, But he did, and it was great. Um, and then he got uh, cancer 90 days after we adopted my first three. So now I've got, shoot, these um, three kids he adopted, we have a baby, and his cancer was not curable. It was bile duct cancer, which is pancreatic cancer in your bile duct. So we did that journey for a couple of years in between partners stealing from you, you know, lawsuits as usual. If you've got lawsuits, you're successful, man, you've made it. I don't take those and go, oh, no. I go, okay. Great. Somebody noticed me. I'm doing something right. Sucks. It's going to cost, but okay. Uh, So these little ups and downs. And I say little, they're actually very major. When you are left with three kids at 25, when you're all of a sudden um, a million dollar business owner, now you have no income at all. Um, When you've got final custody of five years in court and you got your kids now, and then your husband's going to die, like, that is not small, right? Yeah. So I had this question, um, I hired this speaking coach, Joe Weldon. Um, he's a super old grandpa style. Like, how are you, honey? Like, he's great. And he's like, let's talk about you. Um, and he's like, let's get your speech down. Like, what do you want to convey to anyone to help them? And I said, well, um, I think that no matter what life throws at you, get up, <laughs> get up. <laughs> One time my boyfriend, I was, I was not having a good day as we all do. And he's like, all right, what are we going to do today? I was like, man, I don't know. I just don't want to get up. You know, I'm not over um, Andy passing. My kids are all in school, so I don't have to get up. You know, and he's like, well, but your business still needs you to run it. I was like, no, not today. He's like, of course, of course it does. Because there are so many asses to kick. Who's going to kick all those asses if you're the boss? I was like, oh yeah. So I got my butt out of bed. <laughs> but all that, all that little crap that's major, um... It really puts all the other stuff in perspective. You know, something happens, if I um, crash my car, i swipe, swiped a bush, a car was coming in my lane and it's 20 grand of damages. I was like, well, there goes that car. (laughs) It's just so small compared to like the hard hitting stuff in life that has already happened to me that I've already had to navigate and figure it out and get my butt up.
1: And You mentioned homeschooling. Well, I mean, a lot of stuff to unpack there. So hopefully you're ready for a couple of questions. Um, but uh, you mentioned homeschooling and I know um, your homeschooling is a little different than than most from our previous conversation. Do you mind just talking a little bit about what that means first?
0: Oh, man, we um, <clears throat> my grandpa started a seminar in Chicago for inner city teens with this guy named Bill Gothard. It was about basic principles of Jesus's commandments, you know, don't lie, don't cheat, whatever. And those are all to make your give yourself a happier, more prosperous life. It turned into this huge cult that I am not part of anymore, thankfully, um, called IBLP Institute of Basic Life Principles. Uh, It's on Netflix um, under the Happy Smiling People documentary. I watch it. Oh, man. And my husband, like when they say, you know, if the children are misbehaving, everyone thought these were perfect kids, but really they go and take the kid in the back and they beat them. And their mom's like, do you need a correction? And Ricky looks at me and I'm like, and he's like, do you need a correction? I'm like, shut up. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. But that was the college I got kicked out of. I don't have that education either. But I was raised it, um, homeschooled in an Amway. So my parents would take us on these road trips for 10 hours in the snow with the car breaking down no money, all these kids in the back uh, to go be with the multi, multi millionaires in Amway. My dad worked backstage on the sound and everybody loved him. Great sense of humor. I think that's where I get most of it. And my mom was a very classy lady, you know, dress, nails, the whole thing. So that's where I got some of my better skills. Um, but it was being on all these multi millionaires when we have no money and my parents making no big deal of it. Like, we can do this. Of course you can do it. That's what you want to do. You know, when the car breaks down, it's like, well, we use mom's nylons to fix the belt that broke. We're just going to, we're going to figure it out. And it's not a big deal. When our power went out, I used to think the electric company was mad at my parents. I'm like, what did they do? Um, (laughs) It turns out they didn't pay. (laughs) But but my parents didn't put that on us. They didn't say we can't pay the bill. They don't want their kids stressed about where their next meal is coming from. And I I, I carried that to my kids too. We didn't tell them that uh, their dad was uh gonna die until like three days before. So they knew he was sick or oh, wow. he had hospital visits and things wrong, but we didn't to put any of them on on them. They're just children. They're not supposed to have that stress. So that was uh, yeah. where I got the homeschool know-how. The homeschool team. And unreasonable so, confidence for success.
1: I, I watched I didn't know about it, but I watched the Netflix special after talking to you the first time. So this is the one on Netflix with um like basically the family of 9 that was or whatever was that was on television 19. that everyone saw what was what was that
0: 19 and counting the Duggars
1: 19 and counted that's right 19 not 9 jeez so nine. um that was not that wasn't that wasn't your family no so it was a tangential family in the same cult or homeschool <laughs> um and that was your first uh uh experience into a uh, pretty heavy structure, I imagine.
0: Pretty heavy so You can't wear shirts, you know, past here. You can't be too tight. Nothing right. W-R-A, nothing written on it. You know, skirts down to your ankles. No dancing, no music. But my dad was the rebel of his family. And his dad was in this cult thing for a long time. So my dad rejected that and said, you can dance, you know, modestly. You can listen to music, oldies or whatever. So we veered from the cult thing because my dad didn't like it either. But he liked those principles of the father's the head of the home you know, the wife is under his authority, which I completely reject entirely. <laughs> you know, third husband in, I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> I've learned that it doesn't work.
1: Well, um, let's let's fast forward to some of the um, some of the uh, interactions, if you will, of of being in a business where. Husband and wife are in the business because you've had a few of these, right? Um, and I'm curious, like as part of a as part of a husband and wife led team, how do you navigate, or how did you navigate the unique dynamics of how that partnership kind of brings to your leadership structure and your team and and all sorts of things while still managing as a team in the household?
0: <clears throat> it's not for everybody. Some marriages can't do it. We had two doors between us when we worked with my um. My first husband, he had an office I didn't. I had a laptop on the couch with the babies, you know, and um, we had in-home assistants working in desks in our dining room. That was a dining room. We were always all working together, but had our own jobs, our own rules. Um, and so my, my second husband being the massive celebrity that he was, I had no problem being nowhere near a camera. I'm like, you do you, you go and make <clears throat> all the magic happen on video and I'll make sure we have the right computers. Our staff is paid, our payroll's done, our customer service is controlled, like I will be the quality control, you be the personality. And one of the hardest parts actually was when we found out he was sick. I took over as vice president and let him stay president because I'm never going to hurt his pride as a man. That's very important. Um, And as a wife, I know that my husband's pride is extremely important. Um, I think to all men, it is some women, but more men. And that actually hurt me after he died because nobody knew who I was. And so when they say Andy Jenkins has left the company, you know, it's going to go down. I was like, no, I've been running it for three years. <laughs> it's going to be the yeah. same, but less videos because I'm not going to on video and I have zero nipples to show you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we navigated that by having separate roles and unfortunately being a child of some abuse, I'm compartmentalized very well. It's a skill that I have that I recommend people go and study about experience, you know, if you can have in your head a flow chart of family, what does family need? Groceries, dinner, you know, nanny, if you have one, all that stuff. And you know, I didn't have my first nanny until I had my fourth kid, but um, then that, that's handled. I've got all the family stuff. Kids are happy, healthy, houses run well. Then I've got the business. What are my roles? What are my jobs I have to do today in business? Um, and I have a virtual assistant who sorts every email in five email boxes and says, all right, Sarah, good morning, here's what you have to do today. You have to sign this check. You have to answer these three emails and you have to make sure to give your kids and husband love and attention. I'm like, great. So the things that you should do today are these other eight things. Then the things that if you're feeling very ambitious, here's 12 other things, but you have to do these. When you've done these, go ahead and give yourself a good pat on the back. You've done everything you're required to do today. So I compartmentalize the business, the family, and then myself, my growth, my emotions, my health, all that comes last as it does for most moms, but it's compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this, this, this. Um, So that's how we were able to separate our roles as husband and wife. And my job is to support my husband and his job is to support me. So if I have a problem in my role, if his job is to support me and I don't give him the answer how, he's going to fail. So I haven't told him how. You can't just say, I'm in a bad mood and not say it's because I'm hungry. I don't have any food. Can you bring me a sandwich? Right. So that's um it's not for everybody. Some people cannot work with their spouse, um, but we separated it really well. We had very, very few fights. When we did, they were throwdowns, but um very few because we understood our roles and our positions and we agreed on them and we had respect for each other's roles and positions.
1: So you I mean you asked for it? What was one of the throwdowns?
0: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> shoot, I did ask for it. Um <laughs> Andy was being really grumpy. And he was like just snapping at like everybody on Skype and on our live videos and typing out to everyone furiously like do this do this do this and he made some outrageous comment like make sure to send me by the end of the day this some bullshit task like a picture of yourself in a hat so I know you paid attention or something and I made the mistake of saying ignore the man behind the curtain and he was like Sarah I'm like mm, whoops he was, you cannot do that to me in front of the staff I'm like Yeah. That was a, that was a mistake. I thought it was hilarious. He (laughs) did not. (laughs) You thought it was just and and he was already being bitchy.
1: (laughs) And this was was after he was sick as well.
0: Yeah. So I expected some of these little outbursts, but I was like, Oh man, I failed at that one.
1: Yeah. Well, on the, on the positive side (laughs) of, uh, of some of that, um, you know, can you share a situation where you guys really did handle the conf- conflict well or potential conflict? Well,
0: we had, um, well, be- I've got a couple, one of them, they're, they're some of them personal, some of them business. We've had one where our, uh, one of our partners was, we found out stealing money and he came in just, just red hot. And like I was like, Oh my God, like, he just needs support and love. Like, let him, process. What's just happened? He's been betrayed, whatever. So bye. but this is his choice of partner, not mine. Um, And the next day he was like, oh, I got to go call this guy. I got to have a meeting. And I'm like, what? He goes, well, yeah, we're still partners. I was like, oh no, 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 you're not. Because, because he stole the money. You just told me yesterday, we can't go on our annual trip to Disneyland with the kids. You also told me you can't afford to buy me a new car. I don't need a new car. I mean, a newer car because mine was dying. So he's, and then now we can't have the kids in this certain private school that we wanted. Boo-hoo, right? But I was like, no, no, no. He not only stole money from you, he's hurt your family. He has hurt our goals. He has taken from our life, not just cash, but these experiences and the health and well-being of our children. Now I have a car that might break and we can't get a new one because your stupid partner stole money. I was like, first of all, bad financing and planning. But secondly- (laughs) And then he was like, Oh my word, you're right. Oh, you're right. So he had this like bringing him back to the reality of like, you've let this go way too fast. I'm not okay about it. And he was like, you're right. This is not okay. So we, um, we came to terms. He's like, what is the plan? Like, what do you want to do about it? Like, what do you think we should do? What do you want to do with the partnership? What should we offer him? Should we buy him out? Should we sue him? Like, and then we got together a lot closer in the midst of his betrayal of this partner. Um, he started his emotions too quickly and didn't have a plan. I was like, wait, 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 plan. And then we followed the plan together, which was awesome. Personal oh, side, that. before he was with me, he was a player. So he always had these chicks texting him, DMing him, and I fucking hated it. I'd have somebody text him, like, send me a picture and I'd respond. I don't appreciate that. His wife, like, <laughs> he was like, oh, <laughs> please don't go through my phone. That's so, oh, okay. Yeah, you can, you can, but babe I was like no no someone's (laughs) gonna die today (laughs) and one time this one chick that was after him for years we had this fight and it was like someone else texted him and he didn't tell me about it and I saw it and big fight whatever the next day she (laughs) accepted a friend request from him and I was like oh hell no so I went out to his office steaming mad I was like what is this I was sleeping and she accepted your friend request at like midnight and he was like babe I have not talked to her, text her in years, because it must have been an old request from years ago. his Facebook blog and I went in, sure enough, three years ago, he'd friend requested her and she'd just gotten back on Facebook and accepted it. And I was in tears. I felt so bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. We have all this trust. We have these babies. Like, oh, we're, we're so close now. I'm, I'm so sorry. I just tried to like wreck it. And, he, and I was sobbing and he was like, you know, it would help. And I was like, really? Really? When I like this, he's like, Yep. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> and we came and out it, much closer, and it was very funny. Although, yeah, in the moment, very tragic for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, that is those are good examples. Going going back to that <laughs> finance one for a second, because I also have had um, someone's deal from the business, a minority partner, but um, someone who I definitely considered a partner and brought in myself. You know how? Wh- how did you? How did you learn from that in, or how did he learn from that or how did you guys learn from that in terms of how to set up structure differently next time or or set up people differently next time?
0: And you said you never, ever lose control of the money or the marketing because he's a marketer. Um, yeah. but the Money was extremely important. The very first thing we did with everybody else with a credit card, turn them in. You don't get them. You want something purchased? You come to me directly. I'm the only one with signer activity credit cards. And I still have that I'm the owner of all of our bank accounts and all of our companies, even though we have a president and he's got a credit card now. And I watch, you know, my, um, accounting department sends me every single vendor, how it was approved, where the invoices are. Like I'm very close to the money because you want to trust, but you have to verify. So we've learned don't trust without verifying and continue to verify
1: yeah. I mean same same lesson, right? Like and and also, um, you know, don't get super excited about handing over the reins if you do start to scale enough where there needs to be some sort of baseline, right? And bring in a CFO, whoever it is, like do treat that delicately. Give 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 trust where it needs to be given, but but verification is yeah, so incredibly important. So you know, when when you guys um, when you guys were going through personally what you were when he was sick, um, there's one thing that um, that we've talked about uh, around trust and around you know being fortunate enough to be able to have the time to set things up right. Um, when, um, when he was sick, he, what, talk to me a little bit about that, uh, us about that situation and, and, and how you were lucky, uh, and we're fortunate enough to be able to set things up.
0: <clears throat> so when you're faced with a situation and most people are faced with it after the fact, usually it's, we have some bad news. It's the cops, it's family. It's some we have, we have something to tell you, sit down. And I'm like, I hate when someone tells me to sit down. Um, now I'm ready for it. But then I was like, wait, what? Like, it just throws you. Right. Um, and a lot of people are in the situation that I was in when um, my brother said, you're you're in the club, whether you like it or not, you are now in the cancer club. When they said it's cancer, that moment will be seared into your brain forever. You can't get out of it. <clears throat> your job is now to support everyone else that's in it or about to be in it. So we got that diagnosis. We knew it was terminal. And um, we had. I don't know how much time they said, maybe two years at the most. And we had two and a half years, which was great. <clears throat> but we sat down with our lawyer. We said, okay, great. What are we going to do about the company? Has our operating agreement already been put in place where if he's not here, what happens to me? What happens to our company? What if we do have partners? If our partner died, would you want to be partners with his wife? What does the partners feel about that? Because you're <laughs> who you're in business with is, um, just as binding, if not more than who you get into bed with. You got to be careful and strategic, make sure your documents are signed. So what we did is we got our lawyer. We said, how do we manage the situation from a corporate standpoint? Our family will handle family, but it's more about what do I do when I go into the bank and I say, I need to... know make a change and they say andy's on the bank accounts we'll all just start sobbing immediately and get nothing done so we should do this before and let the lawyers do it so they made sure all of our bank accounts had powers of attorney if it was 50 50 ownership and you can't change accounts if it's 50 50 then make sure sarah has 51 start all new accounts now so when andy passes then there's no bank discussions there's no lack of control for her then Mm -hmm. get a trust going and this is the most important thing it is not cheap it's not overly expensive when they said it's thousands to set up this trust. I was like, shoot, okay, we'll I have the money, but like, what a waste, right? They're like, no, no, because if you go through probate, you're going to have to go through asset assignments of your cars, your computers, your house, your clothes, your everything. There's a death tax, it's a nightmare. But if you have everything done in your trust, multiple trusts, don't care, I have a gun trust, I have a car trust, I have a home trust, um, I have a kids dynasty trust. All those things were set up before. You know, we do a will. I'm like, Andy's like, well, what if I die? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, you have to talk about it. So I don't want to talk about it. Now I'm like, oh, we used to talk about it. <laughs> Shoot. You know, when you're 27, 30, whatever age I was, I think I was 31. I was like, oh, we have to talk about it. Like, what do you want for your stuff? You know, he's like, you decide. What do you want for your inheritance to your family? He's like, you decide. Everything goes to you. You get to decide. It's our money. It's our family first. And I was like, okay, great. So we put everything in the trust. <clears throat> my lawyer was there at my house. He did house calls for me for years. When Andy was too sick and we needed to change something, the lawyers came to the house. So we're in okay. my kitchen having coffees, whiskey, whatever, <laughs> signing shit. <laughs> Very illegal. <Yeah.
1: laughs> so, um, if somebody, um, which there's a lot of them listening is, is, is in their business and spending a lot of time and energy growing it. Cause that's what we do as we founders do. and CEOs and they haven't thought of a trust or haven't established a trust, which I, I think a lot of folks haven't, what would be a good first step for them to uh, begin thinking about um, setting up life after them?
0: If you have a lawyer, if you don't get one, if you have a company, you have a lawyer, you don't go to, Whatever that one legal Zoom is, it's a terrible fucking website. <clears throat> You're setting yourself up for failure. It's very cookie cutter. It doesn't cover any loopholes or any specialty things. Get a real, real corporate lawyer who's done trusts and wills before. And you say, hey, <clears throat> I need to make sure my company operating agreement is the way that we want should something happen to me or her. Have our will done so it's set up so that everything is done the way that we want for me or her. Same thing, get your trust going right now and a kid's dynasty trust. Expensive. But then, if every person is allowed to give 11 million in their life, <clears throat> granted most of us never have a mil- 11 million, but mm-hmm. we might have assets that are valued at 11 million. I love someone's net worth this is this phantom number that's in no one's bank account. But yeah. <laughs> so Andy, when he died, we took a death provision, which said I am claiming all of his assets. They're not his; they were ours because we were married, so the government couldn't take them. But no one can marry me. So nobody can come now and marry me and claim my assets because the death tax will happen. Fifty percent of what you own, the government will take eventually. But if you can protect your spouse from that right away, do it. Then the Kids Dynasty Trust, you can take 11 million in value and give it to your kids tax free. And that means a percentage of shares in your company, you know, certain percentages of your house or your your assets. Um, And that has to be managed outside of your control. You can be the trustee and tell the kids trustee what to do with the money. Like I have stuff set up for my kids for college, stocks, etc. cetera, um, but I can't touch that money. That The kids dynasty trust has to, and that 11 million in value is in there for them from Andy. And 11 million of value from me will be there when I die and the rest will be taxed and go through um, not probate court but trust court. <clears throat> and that saved us, I wouldn't have been able to afford that bill because your value and your assets Aren't the money in your bank? And if they tried to tell me, "Hey, you owe this many millions um, to the government because your husband died," I'd be like, "Well, we're selling the house, we're getting apartments." <laughs> right,
1: and that happens all the time. All the time, when they say,
0: "Here's your tax bill because your husband just died, your breadwinner."
1: Right.
0: Lord, it's the right. number one thing I say to people, um, even if they don't want to talk about it, because you don't want to talk about it. Just. Do it, make the lawyer do it for you, have them fill out the forms for you, sit there with your whiskey coffee, and get it done.
1: So what are, what are some, um, what are some other aha moments that you had during that process that you had two and a half years to prep for, but you're never prepped enough, right? What are there any other things that came up during that?
0: Um, business wise, I think it was, it was shocking to me. <clears throat> I can go into the personal stuff as much as you want, but it's going to get boring um, it was shocking to me boring. how many people did not appreciate the transition of I'm in charge. Andy's not going to be here anymore. Um, uh, if you have any questions, like they'd still like, go around him. Like we had a couple, I fired this one lawyer because he was telling me I wasn't qualified. And I was like, you ever say that to me again, you're fired. Like, well, you need to go get a CEO and Andy's not going to be here. It's like, Andy hasn't been here. Where have you been? I can handle it. Yes. <laughs> and it's not your business your business to help me get it done um being told you're not qualified is an amazing insult especially for a girl um so that was surprising to me how many people would come in and try to help me because I wasn't capable or qualified or they thought we had this one company I hired and they said okay well what we do is we've dealt with your situation before you know widow owns the company you know isn't quite familiar with everything so we just come in and we do like The hard stuff for you, and then let you know what's going on. And I was like, "Let me stop you there. You've been entirely misinformed. Here's what I need from you. Can you give this to me or not?" And they were like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) stigma being a stupid girl widow is is, it's 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 incredible how many people come to help you.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's bad enough no matter what, but yeah, I can imagine even more so. It's uh, man, everyone wants a piece.
0: Everyone wants something from you. If you can decide that now, everybody wants something from you, even if it's love and affection, if, if they, are they a giver or are they a taker? Everyone is one of those. And if they're in your life, are they giving or are they taking? And sometimes it's mutual. My best friend and I, it's very mutual. She gives, she'll show up whenever I need her. If she texts me, I'm at her house at 3am if I need to be like, we're, we have a very equal best friend, solid partnership. But everyone in your life is a giver or taker. And if you find out what they want early, that would be best. Is it mutually beneficial? Great. When someone texts me, I'm like, do they want free access to my product? Do they want business advice? Do they want a play date with my kid? What do they want from me? Figure out what they want from you the minute you get a communication from somebody. Because everybody wants something. Whether it's mutually beneficial or not, that's what you have to figure out. Or if it's in your best interest.
1: Right. And if it's not not mutually beneficial... There better be compensation on the other side otherwise you should say goodbye, right which which makes yeah. it mutually beneficial if there's compensation mm-hmm. so yeah to- totally totally agree so let's let's talk a little bit about um if it's okay um yeah. andy because you mentioned a celebrity i think a lot of people might know who he is um and you mentioned his love and and differentiation in the marketing world but there's also a lot of really cool things that you guys have done built before, both during and since from a marketing perspective um, at Genesis. So, you know, like evergreen funnel, ever, evergreen content, things like that, that, um, you know, I think are, would, would be awesome for the uh, audience to hear. So let's start with who is he? And then what, is, what, was, his, what was his big foray into marketing that differentiated him?
0: Um, Andy went to NYU film and was skipping school in high school and middle school to go film in graveyards. He was always this weird little kid with a video camera running around trying to make magic happen. And I love that about him. He made horror movies. The first horror movie I ever saw was Blair Witch Project and I was 13 um, and I'm from Michigan. So it's very woodsy and shit and it was a bad idea. I'm not allowed to watch horror movies and I've never watched like horror movies since. But when mm. I met Andy and I found out that he made the Blair Witch happen, like he created all those websites to create the fake news articles. So it looked real cause the internet was new. Um, I was really mad at him. I was like, "You did what? You made the worst movie ever. <laughs> We're never going to make it, <laughs> his friends." Um, <laughs> and then he said, "This is what started reality TV. It was the 1st found non-footage film." I was like, "Again, you're responsible for the Kardashians now? Are you telling me that? Because that's no good either." <laughs> but he was always on some kick of of what magic can he make happen? Very showman, which I love. My heroes are Queen Elizabeth. Gordon Ramsey And these these showmen, honestly, um, I love them so much because I appreciate the way that they are Connor McGregor. He is not as much a fighter as he is a showman. You don't get him in the ring to see him kick someone's ass. You see the war footage, the shit talking, the throwing water bottles in the middle of an interview. He's a showman and yeah. he knows what he's doing. He's good in business. And that was Andy. He did the net effect <clears throat> after he figured out the internet. And he did stomping the search engines. It's the first internet marketing product. It was $800 a month. Me and my first husband could not afford it, but we bought it. And it crashed because he had so many people trying to buy it. Like crashed the server. And I've never heard of that before. I've heard of it since, but it was awesome. We went to buy it and it was like, no error. And I texted Andy. I was like, "Uh, we can't buy it. He's like, I know, I know, I know. You and everyone else, hold on. (laughs) He's like, we got to relaunch in like a week. I got to fix all these server things. I'm like, okay, great. Um, So he did that. And then he did the video boss, which was how to make... You know, money using video on the internet. Um, I'll probably honestly end up releasing Video Boss again, updated, because it's so good. Um, and with that, he discovered reoccurring income. So Stompernet in at eight hundred bucks a month, and you could do upgrades and VIP stuff, of course. Um, but reoccurring income was where it was at. With um, Video Boss, it was reoccurring income. It's two thousand bucks for the product, or ninety seven a month for whatever twelve months, <clears throat> and. That was final though because when someone buys during that launch we do product launches you made a couple million in a weekend then you didn't make any money again so you put out a whole new product a whole new launch system <clears throat> so the launch system does work um it's a lot of fun if you do it right um but it wasn't it wasn't keeping the money flowing it gave us cash flow and then the cash flow died so then you do masterminds and consulting and stuff to build on that reputation and branding when he did do video boss two which is when I came in as um his girlfriend, which is great. Um, we had eight hours of what we did was a boss-a-thon. We got all these people in the background, all these cool internet marketers from back in the day, You know, Frank Kern, You know, Evan Pagan, wouldn't cooperate, we made him. Mm. <clears throat> and um, it was, I think $100,000 in video streaming costs, which was a lot of money in 2009 or 10, right? Yeah. And we're like, man, we've got to figure out how to do this better. So the is a huge successful launch. Video Boss 2.0 was another wildly successful launch. And the video hosting costs were astronomical. And we're like, we've got to figure this out. So we went and found some developers and made Webinar Jam. Like, so if we need video on the internet, we just made so many millions by having all these cool internet celebrities on this podcast with us or webinar with us, we want to create the webinar and build it. Cause we don't have, we don't have a chat. We had to buy that separate and put it somehow on the website to toggle with the video. Then we had a link. How do you send that link out to everybody? You send that email as soon as you say it on the bossathon. Like It was so clunky and hard to do that um, one of our partners was like, I think we could build this. So when you're on the webinar, in the chat box, you could put the link to buy. Mm-hmm. No way. So we did, handed a bunch of developers in Romania. Uh, really great guys. Uh, the keys to some of our developing stuff, and they made they made webinar jam, and we launched it, and it was it was wildly successful. So we launched 2.0 and 3.0 a year later, a year later, just to keep upgrading it and making it better usability for everybody using it, ourselves included, mm-hmm. um, which was really awesome. And that's when I found out the recurring income, if it's not coming from your never ending creativity and product building, has got to be software. I think that's now the holy grail of Even if it's like your recurring comes to your coaching program that you have to create the content for, have that baby upload automatically, have it recorded, have it pre-done, have it make you money over and over and over again. That recurring income funnel that we talked about, having your business automated is key. And when Andy got sick, when there were days and weeks he couldn't work, it was fine because our software was selling itself through our our, um, autoresponder sequences and our email blasts. Problem is to sell Webinar Jam, you need a website, you need an email sending service, you need a merchant account. And if your merchant account goes down or the API breaks, you know what happens. You don't make any money and you don't know until you look in the bank and go, wait a minute, why wasn't there a deposit today? (laughs) Oh, the merchant account broke and they didn't text or call because they don't really care about you. Yeah. So we ended up starting to build uh, Kartra. And it started as like just membership site, a you know, very basic you know, help desk, just a little bunch of stuff you need to sell Webinar Jam. So we built something based on what we knew we needed by piecing it all together. Like this is too hard. So we piece it all together on the back end. We go use SendGrid, MailChimp or whatever to send the emails, but in Kartra, it's mail. So then we have that in our levels of what you can buy and all that stuff. But man, <clears throat> recurring income, automated, Marketing for through emails and through quirky videos and awesome skills, uh, and and SaaS man, if you could do SaaS, it's awesome.
1: So you make the evolution of these products sound so seamless, right? Um, and I, I I know it's it's not always that seamless in the way that you articulate Marketing. them. It is. What 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 were some of the things that happened during these launches or during? uh uncertain times if you will that that other founders other CEOs can can learn from
0: well it's it's seamless to me because I'm incredibly egotistically overconfident in my ability to grow things and money and stuff. Yeah. So that's annoying. But when marketing 101, you feed hamburgers to a starving crowd. So if you're at work and you're like, shoot, my internet sucks. Shoot, my computer is slow. What do you do? You go to the Apple store, you get a better computer. You go and get an internet tech guy to your house to fix it. You solve your own problems. But if you know, let's say Apple wasn't invented yet. And you're like, I have this video, but I have this cell phone. It's a flip phone. It's breaking and all that. I wish I had a phone that didn't flip. And so you had to go and invent that, figured it out. You've just solved problems for you and everyone else. So when we were doing that video streaming, like this is not affordable to anybody. Hundreds Mm -hmm. of thousands of dollars is not affordable. And it's not reasonable. So we made Webinar Jam and made it super, super cost efficient because we kept our costs lower than GoToMeeting, which was like the only other webinar software out there. Yeah, we killed it in marketing. So we're like, obviously, you should pick us. We're way cheaper. Yeah, and we never ever break. Like, obviously, we break all the time, but <laughs> but with with um, GoToMeeting, it was like thousand bucks for the year. Webinar Jam was three hundred. We're your obvious choice. So we did that over, we solved our own problems as we went. And even as we're doing Kartra now, and we're looking at the next thing to put into Kartra features, besides asking our audience, what should we do? And your audience will tell you what they need. So I don't have to figure it out on my own. You can survey your list and they'll tell you exactly what they want. We launched webinars in Kartra. Awesome, incredible, super excited. You know the feedback we got? Are you gonna come out with dark mode? What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everyone loves so like,
0: your audience. Will tell you what they want, and then you do that thing. Right. Especially if it's cost efficient or dark mode won't cost much to develop. That's coming out in September.
1: <laughs> have there been any so things? Oh, go ahead, finish finish your thoughts. Sorry,
0: it is easy because you ask. If you have a list, you have an audience. You ask them what they want.
1: What about when they? You- what about when they don't know what they want?
0: Well, they're not all women.
1: But <laughs>
0: <laughs> my bad. <laughs> they do though, because if they're looking to you for answers, then they know they have a problem. What's your problem? Is your problem you don't have enough time in the day? Is your problem that you can't come up with a product? Is a problem that you don't have the money for the product? What's your problem? When they tell you their problem, man, most of the time you know the solution or you can ask somebody else for a solution for them. One of the things I do really well, um, besides compartmentalizing, So I get a lot more done is I ask for help and not like, please help me. I'm poor. No, like, Hey, I've got this cool business idea. I'll go to five friends that are wildly successful and say, can I have five minutes? I'll buy you lunch. You know, I don't need anything from you. Send me a bill for your consulting, whatever it means. I have this really cool idea, but I am not going to go and put it to use yet until I know that someone else has put eyes on it that has more experience than me. Like I got my, uh, my nose pierced. Oh man! Uh, when I was thirty, after Andy got cancer, I was in a mood. Um, <laughs> but I asked my lawyer. I was like, "Is this going to affect my business dealings? Are people going to look down on me for having, you know, a nose ring?" He's like, "No, they shouldn't." I was like, "Great! Then I'll leave it in for meetings. Otherwise, I'll take it out. Cause I'm a professional. I don't want to do stupid things based on my own opinions." Yeah, get other opinions.
1: Get other opinions, and especially as the the world evolves and customer base and investor base and partner base and, and all that evolves more towards Gen Z and millennials, things shift, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's, and, and who are they? Like, what is their persona? Like, what do they care about? Most people don't really care about you dressing up in a three-piece suit anymore, it turns out. Right, or wearing a nose ring, or having tattoos, or or showing your nipple. Right, I mean maybe, maybe that mm-hmm. that might that might be a stretch one way or the other. But but either way, you know you've 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 got to you got to understand who you're selling to, who you're buying from, whatnot. Um, so when when you guys are uh you you have a speaking of like selling to and buying from, you've got a pretty loyal uh customer base, right? Um, and um software
0: is less what's that? branding wise branding wise yes software less because a competitor with lower price or a better product they should leave
1: but from <laughs> from a general brand around genesis you guys have a pretty loyal standing in the in the community right um and yeah. and um uh, you know uh, the ability to create sticky products uh that that continue to engage customers so you know, what, what is it that what is it that drives some of that stickiness for you guys? And what can other founders learn from?
0: So I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Dan Kennedy's Ascension model. <clears throat> Start low, get them in the door for this, you know, free PDF. And then you've got the email there on your list. Then you have this low-end product, you know, fix your business with five easy steps for 20 bucks. Then you've got the, do you want more? Here's how to grow your wealth or whatever. So the Ascension model, we did that with our software with, with Kartra, the Ascension model is you come in at starter, it's, you know, 99 bucks for the month. It's within the scope of every other software that does what we do. It's within range, if not cheaper than everybody. That's our goal is to make it affordable. And then as you grow your business, that next level of silver is when you have enough emails on your list or enough videos hosting in your membership sites, you need to go to silver. So now it's going to cost you a little bit more, but you can't afford it because you've got those extra email lists. You've got those extra videos that you want to show to your list. Um, So the Ascension model only works if you're doing it ethically. So you don't push someone to silver if they don't need that tier. Mm -hmm. You let downgrading happen. You take that less money if that customer is not ready. You know, you appreciate them. I think human behavior is the most fascinating study that you can do on yourself and others. It's great. So when you have um, the Ascension model, like you're doing it ethically and you're doing it for their best interest, you both win. It's mutually beneficial. It can't be one way or the other. You'll fail. Uh, You have to have your customer service be equally ethical making sure they're handled, taken care of, appreciated without them, you don't have any money. Mm -hmm. So you want them to be happy with you and your product, um, as well as how you're bringing them down that path of success while getting yourself that success as well, those next tiers. Um, In SaaS or in your coaching or consulting business, most people do coaching and consulting in in our industry. Um, And then the pain of disconnect. So if they always have something else they're going to need, and they are. They're always going to need something else. If you go to the store and buy shampoo, you better as hell get a loofah while you're there and some body wash and a razor because your showers don't consist of one thing. Yeah, so you always need something else. And then there's a better shampoo it makes your hair super Pantene Pro V. And then there's a better razor. Like there's always something else you can give your customers that they need. And if they're spoiled like me, they'll buy it. Yeah. If they're not, then they'll wait till they actually do need it or they've made enough money to get it. Um. So pain of disconnect and ethically ascending your customers to that next level.
1: Well said. All right. It's it's time for us to hop into our founder five. So five quick hit questions about you and your growth. The first one I've got for you is the top KPI that you are relentlessly focused on.
0: Uh, KPI. Um, Constant self growth and learning.
1: Ooh, personal KPI. I love it.
0: Because if you're not learning like my books, um, you don't see them do you because unless I'm ready to read that book, I don't want it in my in my view. I don't want it taking up space in my brain. I only want things that bring me happiness so I can focus on that one book that I'm reading right now.
1: how do you measure so that? like
0: How do I measure what how, how, do, how,
1: you know, how do you measure how do you measure whether you're hitting that KPI?
0: Um, I'm always having new ideas. If you spend, and I told my upper, all my upper staff, my executive um, staff in my C-suite, I want you to spend one hour at least every week, putting your phone away, put your computer away. I pay for that. Go and spend one hour with a pen and paper and say, what new ideas do you have? How can you SOP your, your, you know, department better, faster, cheaper? What can you bring? That's going to be awesome this week to your staff or to your, you know, superiors, give yourself time to think. And if my book isn't filling up every couple months that I'm not learning. I'm not asking the right questions or I'm not reading enough and trying to study on the newest tech, the newest personal development, the newest guy I should go listen to on a podcast, the newest book that I can go get ideas from everybody else. I'm not full of them, but then my brain starts operating as it should after I've read all this new cool stuff.
1: That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Next one is a top tip for growth stage founders like yourself.
0: Um, get a virtual assistant, stop doing things you shouldn't do, hire out your laundry service. There's no reason you should be spending three hours on a Sunday doing your laundry. If your kids need you, you're taking time away from them to do that chore. If your business needs you, you're taking time away from your growth, your marketing, your money. If you're doing your freaking laundry, don't do your own emails ever. I like, do not do an email. And one of my partners goes, oh, CEO doesn't do email. Mm-hmm. This one.
1: Mm-hmm. Well said. All right. uh, Favorite book or podcast that has helped you to grow?
0: Easily, "How to Win Friends and Influence People." Easily, I read it all the time. I read the first chapter to my son. He's twelve. Yesterday morning, he asked, "What? uh, What can he do to be a businessman, a CEO? How can I learn?" He asked me what MRR is. He asked me like, "What do I do in a meeting?" He asked me how I know how to hire people. He's twelve. He's awesome. Um, He's going to be a CEO. But I read him that book in the first chapter, and he goes, "I don't understand some of those words." I go, "We're going to read it again." We're going to go back over those words that you you missed cuz I want you to understand this book.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's I mean I read that one every year. That's a, that's a classic. That's a classic.
0: Joe Polish actually redid it, What's in it for them? He did his own take on it, oh, a little yeah? refresh because it's an incredibly misogynistic book. I still enjoy it, but he just did a um a redo. He gave me a copy and it's and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Joe's Joe's great. He's really good at this. I'll have
1: to check that out. Nice. Nice. All right. Next one is a piece of advice that counters what one would consider traditional wisdom.
0: Oh, man. Is it ballsy to say fuck them? Yeah. If people don't like what you're doing, if they're telling you you're doing things wrong, if they tell you you're not qualified, um, if you've got in your gut, you know what's the right thing to do, even if people don't like it and don't understand it too bad. Fuck them. Go with what you know is right for your family, your business, yourself.
1: Be you. Okay, last one. What is going to be the title of your autobiography?
0: Good Lord. <laughs> Good Lord. That's
1: an interesting <laughs> one. That's an interesting one.
0: That is an interesting one. <laughs> I <was> like, Run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, shit. All the expletives and have fun.
1: <laughs> All the expletives and have fun. I like have fun while doing it. I like it. Very yep. nice. All right. Well, you've given uh, a ton to our listeners today. So uh, Sarah, time for a little bit of self-promotion. How can those listening help you out?
0: Um, they can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Jenkins, CEO of Genesis Digital. Um, or Karcher.com is where you find my 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 favorite software and best product for your business needs. <laughs> Shameless plug.
1: Shameless plug. That's what I asked for. That's okay. You gave, yep. you gave a lot to everyone today. So thanks for that. Thanks for joining us on The Dirt. And to the audience, we've got a lot of insightful conversations coming up that you won't want to miss. So remember, uh, log in, say you love it, say you hate it. We're listening. Fuck it. See you guys. Bye. Bye. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.